Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello! And today, I am going to be telling you guys the case of the disappearance of Mikkel Biggs. But before we get into that, if you are new here, hello and welcome. Returning Spooksters, welcome back. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. We love and appreciate you so, so much. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls and our amazing Facebook group, which in real time, our Bloody Valentine gift exchange is in full swing. And it's been so fun seeing everybody's gifts and everything and can't wait to have that finish up and see the rest of them. So yeah, love it. Love it. So if you are a Facebook user and you're not in there, go over there. We do a lot of fun stuff. People have already asked me if we're doing another gift exchange. That'll be in the fall. That'll be our big one. That's Secret Satan. Like most people prioritize Secret Santa, but we prioritize Secret Satan. This is true. Which I mean, if you're listening to this, that's that's not a fucking surprise. (laughs) And I'm so excited because I'm in the lower 48 again. So like I can get all the fun stuff when we do that one. Like I can buy my person all the fun stuff. So I'm really excited about it even though it's like eight months away, but it's fine. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you might feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. I know for me, I just had my big cross-country move last month, so I am trying to get back onto my regular schedule and showing up how I need to in all aspects of my life. And what's great is working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. I utilize that. I absolutely love my therapist so, so much. And it being online, it just makes it easier and it fits into my hectic life with work, the show, my family, and everything else that comes with that. 
So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option because as we've talked about before, it's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which does happen sometimes. And I've done it in the past doing so to find that therapist that was the right fit for me made all the world of difference. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash spooked girls today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash spooked girls. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls for as little as a dollar. You get one bonus episode a month, five and up. You get video content and During the month of February, there's a little bit of extra video content coming your guys' way because I was moving last month, so we decided to kind of give you guys some bonus nuggets. There's already a new Slaughters Up that was super fun, so definitely go check that out. All right, well, that's really all we got, so I'm going to go ahead and dive in. I am going to give a disclaimer. This is a child case if you're not familiar with it. So there is that for you. If that's, I know some people need to skip child cases, please feel free to get back with us next week or check out. We obviously have like, we have like over 400 fucking episodes now. Go go re-listen to something, you know. <laughs> that fucking blows my mind every time I think about right? it. I'm like, Jesus. I know. Every time I make the little graphic to be like, episode, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the, f- how is the, how have we had that many? And then we have all the OG ones on Patreon. So I'm like, we're probably closer to 500. Oh, so the 400 doesn't even count those? That's crazy. No, no, the, the 400 and whatever this is, is what's just on the main feed. Damn. I know. But yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. So Mikkel Biggs was born on May 31st, 1987 to Tracy and Darren Biggs. She was the oldest of four children. Her siblings are Kimber, Nathan, and Linnell. The Biggs family lived in Mesa, Arizona in a typical suburbia safe neighborhood. And actually, most of the residents in this neighborhood, they were all a part of the same LDS church or the same ward. They all knew each other pretty much. So, safe, quiet area. And Mikkel was a straight-A student. She was described as very creative. She loved drawing, so much so that she wanted to be a Disney animator when she grew up. Mm. Isn't that the cutest fucking thing? That is. I like that. I know. And she also loved reading. She played the clarinet in the school band, and she was a student council member. So, she was a very busy sixth grader, for sure. Sounds like it. Yes. She was described as a very friendly child, but could be somewhat reserved around people when she first met them. And, you know, that's like most people, I feel, you know, except like super, super extroverts. You know, you kind of got to warm up and then you're like, boom, here's me type of thing. That's me. But it's fine. I love that. But, you know, even with her being reserved around new people a little bit, everyone loved her. All the kids loved her. She had no problem making friends. Her sister, Kimber, who's the second oldest, She described her sister as a typical cool older sister. Like in one of the things I watched on this, that that's what she said. And I was like, "Mm, that's so cute. And Mikkel was very well educated. And I would assume all the children were. 
with stranger danger. Mm. And she was not a gullible kid. She she was very smart, book smart and common sense, like street smarts, for sure. So on January 2nd, 1999, Mikkel's now 11 years old. Now, this was just a regular day for the Biggs family. It was a Sunday. And Mikkel, who was super close with Kimber, her younger sister, they were outside playing all day. And the neighborhood was quiet towards the evening because there was a playoff game for the Cardinals and the Cowboys. The Cardinals is, of course, Arizona's football team. And the girls that, you know, they were taking turns. Kimber had just gotten a new bike for Christmas, so they were taking turns riding it. At about 5.30, the girls heard an ice cream truck, so they rushed home to get money from their mom. Tracy gave them, you know, a couple quarters each and sent them on their way. And the girls went to the end of the block, as they always did, to wait for the ice cream truck before it exited the neighborhood. And the girls would wait and wait. Kember describes that the music never really got any quieter or got any louder. But, you know, being a little kid, you don't really think about that. She's obviously now an adult, so reflecting back on that. Eventually, Kimber said she was getting tired of waiting and that she was getting cold, so she wanted to go home. And Mikkel was set on getting her ice cream. So she was like, no, I'm going to stay. I don't want to go home. So Kimber's like, okay, peace. Bye. Because literally the end of the block to their house, it, it wasn't very far. So she went home. And Tracy recalls that Kimber, she, you know, she came in. She was, you know, she's a little kid. She was upset. She was like, we heard the ice cream truck, but it never came by. So lame. And she's like, but Mikkel stayed. And at this time, Tracy remembers looking at the clock and she said it was 5.55. So she was in the middle of cooking dinner. So she told Kimber, go and grab Mikkel. You know, dinner's almost done. And you guys can get ice cream next time. So Kimber goes back to the end of the block where they were and there's no Mikkel. She did find her new bike that they were riding in the middle of the road. And at first she was upset. She's like, why would my sister just like throw it down like that? What the heck? But mm -hmm. when she got closer, one of the wheels was still spinning. Oh, shit. So like and the, fresh. And the two quarters their mom gave Mikkel were laying on the ground next to it. So literally, literally, in a matter of 90 seconds of Mikkel being by herself, she disappeared. That's crazy. Less than two minutes. So Kimber ran back home and immediately told her mom that Mikkel was missing. And after looking in the immediate area in the neighborhood, Tracy called 911 by 615. So, you know, less than 20 minutes. And Darren wasn't home at this time, so Tracy called him as well. He was working that day. Now, authorities arrived almost immediately, and once they heard the details, they realized they were dealing with a child abduction, you know? So this was, like, very serious, obviously. Mm -hmm. And this community and the police force, they all really came together. So top detectives were assigned to her case immediately. Police and volunteers from the neighborhood and the church, they did a very thorough search of the neighborhood. They were literally out until 2 a.m. And along with that, they also had helicopters using infrared technology flying overhead. They had bloodhounds brought in to try to figure out which way she could have gone. 
but they were only able to track her scent a few feet from where the bike was. So they determined she most likely was taken away from the area in a car. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, the next morning, everybody in the Mesa area had heard about this. The media started pushing it out very quickly, and hundreds of people showed up to help with the search. They passed out missing persons flyers, they hung up posters, they looked through canals, groves, everywhere. And over that first week, they distributed more than 50,000 flyers. That's a crazy amount. Yes, in only a 45 square mile area. That's insane. Right? That's so like That's so it's condensed. insane in a great way. Yeah, like it's just it's it's so like saturated. Yes. So if you were in that area, you had to have seen this flyer. A hundred percent. So police set up six roadblocks throughout the neighborhood and they talked to each driver as they entered and left the area. And of course, detectives, you know, they canvassed the neighborhoods. They spoke with every person, every registered sex offender in the neighborhood. And each one they spoke with was able to account for their whereabouts during the time Mikkel went missing. And they even looked into every ice cream vendor who had trucks in Mesa to see if they had a truck out at that time. And nobody had dispatched any to the neighborhood that day. So as they're doing this, something I had not heard of them having a child do this, but it's smart. They had Kimber reenact everything because they wanted to time it they're like did this really happen in 90 seconds like you know what i mean but they did and it was legit 90 fucking seconds so crazy that is crazy so they continued their deep canvas into the whole mesa area they checked garbage cans dumpsters sheds backyards everything And, you know, they talked to everybody, like I said, and nobody said they saw anything unusual. Unfortunately, because of the playoff game being on, there was not really anybody outside at the time that the girls were outside because the game was on. A few people did mention seeing a copper-colored Jeep leaving the area around the time Mikkel had disappeared. But after police kind of like, they looked into it because they started getting tips on it. They got over 300 tips on the Jeep. And one person said they saw a Jeep pull over in the desert in Northeast Mesa, and more than 100 deputies were sent to go search. And they spent a full 24 hours going through this whole desert area, but found nothing. And they did find the Jeep eventually, and that individual was cleared and had no involvement in this case. That's good. Yeah. And something fucked up that happened shortly after Mikkel disappeared. There was someone who sent an email to her dad saying they were the person who abducted her. And they stated that they would be willing to return Mikkel in exchange for a ransom. (gasps) What? So, of course, detectives looked at this and, you know, did their little, you know, forensics internet stuff. And they found out that this came from a home in Phoenix. And so, of course, once they zeroed in on that, they did air surveillance of the area. They had a SWAT team that they fully intended to go ahead and, you know, to to get Mikkel. But they realized that this was a fucking hoax. Oh. And it was, 
it was a hoax done by a 12-year-old boy. <gasps> That's, like, so sad. Yeah. And as time goes on, there was little progress on what had happened to Mikkel. There was, it was like she vanished into thin air. And at this time, the, t- the tip started to, you know, to dwindle down. So police, they announced that they were offering a $60,000 reward. Unfortunately, anytime they brought up a reward or if they contributed to it, it, it didn't bring any kind of information. Nobody knew anything. So, because at this point, they're trying to find, you know, a lead to go off of, they start talking to psychics, actually. They talk to a lot of psychics. One article said they talked to, like, 500 of them. Like, Jesus. a crazy amount. Right? And then, you know, they also asked a bunch of different residents to submit to voluntary searches of their homes and properties in that area. And they said normally, obviously, they wouldn't rely on tips from psychics, but they were willing to do anything because this became the biggest missing child case in the state. I think I could be wrong, so don't quote me. But when I watched one thing on it, they said it was it still was. And all but one of the homeowners they asked consented to the search. Several said they only agreed to it because there was a child involved. And again, dead end. Nothing came up from any of these searches. And the one homeowner who was like, no, no, thank you. They cleared that person. So they were not involved either. That's good. But literally, yeah. But literally in the first year of this investigation, Police questions thousands of people. Thousands. It's crazy. That is a lot. Yeah. And it was like stuff from all over the country. So there was literally hundreds of tips that came in saying that they saw Mikkel in Pennsylvania and in California because this became like national news. It's crazy. And at this point, they were up to 7,000 tips. That's, wow. It's like some cases you're just like, there's not any information. And then sometimes it's like, it just rains. Mm-hmm. And they did so many searches. They went through 40 abandoned mine shafts in the area. And then they even looked into the possibility of was she, you know, abducted and sold into human trafficking? Nothing. No. Because they also had like a, a human trafficking ring kind Mm -hmm. of like in the area too. And nope, nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was reported that by May 2000, the Mesa Police Department had spent more time and money on the investigation into her disappearance than any other case in their history. Any case at all. But again, nothing. Now, they did end up looking into her dad, who had originally been cleared when they started circling back on people of interest. So the reason for that was his alibi wasn't checking out. And they're like, okay, something's up. Let's go see. So originally, he had told police that he was at work during the time of his daughter's disappearance. But when they spoke to coworkers and checked his time cards and all of that, it showed he actually clocked out and left at 2 p.m. that day. So authorities are like, what's up with that? And he wouldn't tell them. Now... We know polygraphs obviously aren't reliable, but they did one with him, and it was said that deception was found. Hmm. And 
when they brought this up to him, he had a temper. He got extremely upset. He flipped the table and pretty much like cussed out and called the FBI agents like a bunch of names and then stormed out. Tracks. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't lying about his daughter. Turns out he was having an affair. So once they find this out, they go and talk to the mistress because when he left work at two o'clock, he was with the mistress. And, you know, she confirmed that after work he came, but said that he left at 545 to go get food and that he came back. She also brought up that during their visits, sometimes he had taken his children over to the mistress's house to hang out with her kids. And Mikkel was like, no, 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 no. This is fucked up, obviously. And the mistress, I was just like, wow, let's make it about you. Like, no one fucking cares about you right now. The mistress said she didn't think Mikkel would accept her. And then she said, allegedly, that Darren said to her, in regards to Mikkel, I'll take care of her. Which obviously can mean like, I'll talk to her or I'll convince her you're the greatest thing, blah, 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 whatever. You know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean he did anything to his fucking daughter. That gives me the vibes. There's a TikTok video going around right now where like a wife comes home and finds Mm -hmm. her husband with his mistress. Mm -hmm. like hanging out but her kids are also in their living room and then the woman the wife is like freaking out and is like and the kid is like don't talk to my mom like that and the wife just like looks at him and he's like this is my house you're on my couch i was like dude the audacity of children well shit and it's like the audacity of those adults thinking that's appropriate (laughs) like the fuck well god We don't always make the best decisions in life. (laughs) Yeah, if you're cheating, obviously you're not. So with Mistress, you know, it's kind of like a Scott Peterson thing. So they set up a phone wire with her to try to get him to confess. Mm -hmm. But apparently during their phone call, he got mad and he was driving during this and was driving all crazy. You know, all of that because he, he was pissed that she was accusing him of doing something to his kid, you know? So they did, like, so many interviews and interrogations of Darren, but he never swayed from his story. And, again, they did another recreation. So they checked the time it would take to leave the mistress's house, go to this burger place that he picked up food from. He also had, like, receipts and stuff, too. So, like, there was proof he was actually there, you know, at Mm -hmm. that time. And then go back to her house. It literally left... No time for him to go all the way across town to go home and take Mikkel and, you know, obviously do some like whatever, you know, so he was cleared because there was like no possible way. Even driving like suit like they even did it where they were driving like hella fast and shit and they still couldn't. That makes sense. You have to think it was 45 when he left the mistress's house. And then the last time she was seen was right before 55. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So almost a year after her disappearance, something else happens in the neighborhood. One of the homes that was two blocks away from the Biggs family had smoke coming out of it. There was a fire. So neighbors saw that and obviously called 911. Now, the resident of that home, Susan Quinette, poor Susan, was found beaten beyond recognition. Oh, no. And it comes out that a fellow neighbor 
D. Blalock was responsible. Now, D had already been on their radar because he was a registered sex offender. So authorities had already talked to him. Of course. Uh huh. And the Biggs family, he obviously was cleared at that time, and her family was not convinced. They're like, no, no, he did it. We know he knows something. But we'll get to that in a minute. Gosh, back to poor fucking Susan. So what happened was on the day of her attack, Dee broke into her house, masturbated behind her fridge, and she comes home and finds him doing this. Wait. And he... I, I don't understand. the fridge? That's what it said. And I was like, I don't understand. Uh, 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 he made like a little cubby. Like, that's fucking worse. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But yeah, he's a sex offender. To, like, so what the fuck? In most places, you have to like pull the fridge out, get behind it, and then pull the fridge back at you. Yeah. It's a I lot of know. work for masturbation. Right. I mean. So when when she caught him. He sexually assaulted her. And on top of that, I I mentioned she was beat beyond recognition, right? Well, he literally bashed her face in with his steel-toed boot. Holy shit. Yeah. And then he tried to cover it up with the fire. That obviously didn't fucking work. He found a pizza box and lit it on fire. So, yeah. So, of course, he's arrested for this and convicted. Thank God. So this gives the the authorities, you know, the idea. Maybe we should look into him again. Hmm, weird. We already know he's a sex offender, but then he just did this fucking horrific thing, right? Right. But what came to light that literally nobody knew, especially nobody in the neighborhood knew, was that he had three convictions involving children. Of course. Fucking of course. Mm -hmm. And of course... He was known as like the local handyman. And on top of that, he lived across the street from where Mikkel took her piano lessons. Oh. And lived literally a couple doors down from Mikkel's best friend's family. That's so, so close. Mm-hmm. And now this piece of shit was married. So when they went over there the first time, his wife backed up his story that he was doing work in the garage during the time of Mikkel's disappearance. But after this latest arrest, his wife changed her tune a little bit or was more honest about it. And she said, quote, he didn't want me out there. He was very rude and he was drinking his beer, end quote. So she said she left him alone because that's what he wanted. So really, she could not confirm his whereabouts for four hours so or from that like he five, was alone mm-hmm. so from 5 30 to 9 30 no idea hmm. uh-huh so authorities obviously talk to him while he's in prison he's by the way serving a 187 year sentence for what he did to susan good yes and he of course kept saying he didn't do it but Obviously, authorities are like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm buying this, especially with the close proximity to places she went to regularly. So they get the Biggs family involved again, and they start writing him letters. And eventually with these letters, they start including pictures of Mikkel. This goes on with radio silence for a year. Then he finally writes back and he says he wants to make things right with them. So he tells them to come visit him. So, 
while they're having this visit, it was said that Dee showed no emotion and actually tried to ask them to help him with his current sentence. Mm-hmm. The fucking audacity there. You guys should see my face currently. For real. Probably the same face y'all are making. Like the fuck? <laughs> yeah. He also said that he had nothing to, he just kept saying, I had nothing to do with it, blah, blah, blah. And again, Darren's temper got the best of him. He flipped out. So Dee was like, all right, visit's over, bye. And he went back to wherever. So fast forward five years after Mikkel's disappearance, the Biggs family held a memorial service with an empty casket. And her case has become cold. But something weird happened. So in March of 2018, her case started coming back up in the media. Somebody found a dollar bill in Wisconsin that had a handwritten note from someone claiming to be her. It was around like the edges and it said, my name is Michaela Biggs, kidnapped from Mesa, Arizona. I'm alive. And oh, this dollar bill had been printed in 09. So she would have been 21 at the time. But it looked like it was written by a kid and her name was misspelled. So along with, you know, those two factors and then obviously thoroughly looking into that, it ended up being a hoax. How fucking that is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like that poor family. I know. I it's so fucking bullshit. And then I know I saw I tried to get more information, but there was like rumors in like 2020 that she had been found. But sadly, they still have not found her to this day. Mikkel is still missing since 1999. And that is so heartbreaking. Unfortunately, like at this point in time, you would think that her being an adult now, if she was still alive, she would have come forward. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, you know, if you guys are interested, I found out about this case like last year. I think it was either People Magazine investigates on Discovery Plus or I was watching a lot of like the Vanity Fair one. It was one of those. That's how I became familiar with this case. And I did like TikTok stuff like last year or whatever. But it's just it's so heartbreaking. And her sister has become like a huge advocate for her. You know, she was on stuff I've watched. And she was basically like, yeah, these hoaxes, you know, they've been hurtful. But at the same time, it's getting my sister's case back out there. And it's getting new eyes on it. And you know, so she's like, you have to try to look at the positive in this horrific situation, you know. So at least there was that. And her sister When she was like either pregnant or just had had her son, she made a Facebook page for Mikkel and it's got quite a following. So if this is a case you're wanting to keep up to date with, definitely go search that up on Facebook. Still an active page, I believe, from what it sounded like. And yeah, it just it these ones where they know absolutely fucking nothing just breaks my fucking heart so much and it's always hard when it's like the case is so like 1999 was so long it's over 20 years ago it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's 24 years ago it's so sad and like yeah this little child would be like a full-fledged adult i know 
It's just, it's so heartbreaking. And I really hope that, because I, like, obviously they didn't, authorities did not give up on this case. I Mm -hmm. really hope that one day her parents and her siblings, you know, and all her family can have closure because it's just, it's fucking horrible. I mean, look at the Kristen Smart case. Like, people thought for years, like, this was never going to be solved in our lifetime or at all or ever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have closure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's I mean, always as much as you always can hope. in that case. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so yeah, that is the disappearance of Mikkel Biggs out of Mesa, Arizona. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you very, very much. And we're going to go ahead and sign off. And we'll see you back here on Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.